Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Mark Anthony with us, the psychic lawyer, as we talk about haunted real estate. Who in God's name, Mark, would want to spend $2 million to buy that house? Yeah, apparently quite a few people. And um, actually, the the murders occurred there. And then after the uh, after Lizzie won the murder trial, she inherited the Borden fortune. And she bought Maplecroft Mansion a, a few blocks away at 306 French Street in Fall River, Massachusetts. And George, that too is on the market right now for $890,000. And so the uh, realtors are trying to do a, hey, buy both of the Lizzie Borden properties because both of them are uh, paranormal hotspots. And a lot of uh, um, ghost uh, hunters and paranormal investigators, uh, you know, enjoy going there. And plus, a lot of people, believe it or not, George, actually want to spend the night in these houses. I was going to say it is it is a business. It's a bread and back, bed and breakfast but, uh, yeah. gosh, I wouldn't want to spend the night there. Yeah, I've been in a lot of uh, pretty intense places. Um, you know, being a being a psychic medium, I get invited to a lot of uh, haunted locations. And I've spent the night in some fairly eerie places. Um, I've never had a problem, but uh, a lot of people find it very, very disturbing to spend the night there. And a lot of people love that, that rush, that thrill of... Uh, encountering what they believe to be ghostly apparitions. Mark, is it a state-by-state law with regards to disclosure? If you're selling property and somebody died there, do you have to let them know? Yeah, that falls under what's known, George, as stigmatized property. Okay. And each of the 50 states has uh, their own laws governing the real estate transactions. And roughly half of them require disclosure of stigmatized properties, but they don't require sellers to disclose if they're haunted, with two exceptions, Minnesota and Massachusetts. Both of their statutes specifically say that they have to disclose if it was the site of a suicide, accidental death, natural death, or perceived paranormal activity. Massachusetts says alleged parapsychological or supernatural phenomenon. And so at least we got two states that come out and say this. New York and Maryland allude to it without saying it directly. Uh, New York says that uh, their statute indicates that if the property is psychologically impacted, and Maryland comes out and says that you basically a house built on or near burial grounds is considered a stigmatized property, and you can't conceal that fact. Well, so, you, re- um, you Yeah, go ahead. You remember the movie The Miracle on 34th Street, where in court they brought all this mail that was delivered to the post office on behalf of Santa Claus— and the judge and the, the and the judge said, and he made his ruling. He said, if the United States Post Office recognizes Santa as a real being, then so be it. And that that was the way it was. So in this case, for example, like in Massachusetts, where they recognize paranormal activity must be disclosed, is that an admission that the state of Massachusetts believes that paranormal activity is the real deal? It would certainly indicate that, but I think, um, and see, this 
starts treading on thin constitutional ice, because if you're going to have a government agency or a branch of the government, whether it is the legislative branch or the judicial branch, say that a place is is haunted, that there's paranormal, supernatural activity going on there, then that can be construed as the government saying that there is an afterlife. And according to constitutional analysts, that is a violation of separation of church and state, because then you're having a government agency make a pronouncement that there is uh, something beyond our material world. Would you buy a haunted house? Um, sure, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, I'd go, I'd check it out. Um, I'd want to maybe spend, uh, you know, a day or a night there and, and see what type of activity uh, is going on. But, um, you know, I mean, I communicate with spirits uh, all the time, and I've never found it to be problematic. I know other people who, who find it to be so, but uh, I think it all has to do with uh, the vibration, the the um, the frequency that you tune into, and I'm not interested in tuning into negative vibrations. When we take calls with Mark Anthony next hour, if you're living in a haunted house or if you want to react to whether you would buy one, just to check in with us. But we'll, uh, Mark would like to give you a little reading. All he needs is a question from you. I'll give him your name, your first name, and then off we go. What are ancestor spirit worshipers? You've looked at that. Well, I, I have, and since, since um, I want to talk briefly about um, this case that I, I, I was doing a reading for this woman, and her son had been brutally murdered, and his spirit came through and was, was communicating with us. And then, George, another spirit came in, and it was a woman, and I kept getting the name Lizzie, Lizzie. And in this vision, the spirit was holding a hatchet and started hacking apart a a jack-o'-lantern, you know, a pumpkin with a oh, face in it. And, and I heard justice will be done. And so I'm reporting this to the client, and I go, this sounds really, really weird. I, and, I, and I'm describing it to her, and she goes, oh, my God. And I go, what? She said, Mark, she says, I'm a descendant of Lizzie Borden. And I'm like, what? And, and, and she said, I said, well, she keeps saying justice will be done. She's hacking apart a jack-o'-lantern. So I said to the client, I said, that indicates to me something about uh, right around the end of October, around Halloween. She said, the man who murdered my son is going on trial, and it starts October 31st, which is Halloween. Oh, my gosh. And, and so, and and, uh, and and the last message I got from from this, from from Lizzie, was he'll die a gruesome death in in prison. So what I did, George, is I waited about a month after Halloween, and then I called the client. I said, "Do you remember the read?" She goes, "Oh, Mark." She said, "Jury selection started on October 31st. The trial lasted, you know, practically two weeks." He was found um, guilty, convicted to life in prison without parole. And I said, wow. Uh, she said, and she, I'll never forget this, George. She said, you know, I'm a Christian, and I'm not supposed to take comfort in the suffering of others, but I can't say that this makes me feel bad. And I said, well, you know, I've never had the spirit of a psychopathic killer come through before mm -hmm. and make somebody feel good. And she said, well, Mark. I guess there really is a first time for everything. And now, has anything happened to the guy in prison at this point? Uh, not at this point. He's only been in for about, I guess, about a year and a half, two years now. 
Um, so, but uh, the client, uh, she, you know, we, we keep in touch because this was such a, a profound thing. And it's very interesting because after the reading, I found out that their Lizzie Borden had no children. Neither did her sister Emma. However, the Borden family is very large. And so let, let's say you and I are both uh, descended from George Washington. Even though he had no children, he had cousins. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're all part of that DNA right. line. And what's really fascinating, George, and the reason I'm bringing this up because this is segueing into to ancestors, is that some of Lizzie Borden's descendants include none other than Winston Churchill and also actress Elizabeth Montgomery. Remember the old TV show Bewitched? Bewitched, absolutely, with her cute and little nose that she'd wiggle. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she wiggled her nose and things happened. And the fascinating thing is Elizabeth Montgomery played Lizzie Borden in a TV movie uh, called The Legend of Lizzie Borden. Um, other Borden descendants include a woman by the name of Gail Borden who invented condensed milk and founded Borden Milk Company. Oh, uh, There's a relationship to Lizzie Borden and the Borden Milk Company? Yes, they're all from the same DNA oh, line. Oh, my gosh. And, and both, yeah, and both Lizzie Borden and um, and a woman by the name of Norma Jean Baker, whom we better know as Marilyn Monroe, mm-hmm. share the same ancestor, Robert Borden, who emigrated from England and died in 1671. So the Borden family uh, came over from Britain uh, settled in the New England area. It was a large, prominent, wealthy family, and their descendants uh, exist to this day. That's an amazing story, Mark. That is something else. Well, well, it it ties into with with the ancestor worship and ancestor connections because, I mean, you know, if I said, "Oh, I'm doing a reading for you, George," and Lizzie Borden came through, I mean, that sounds crazy. That's kind of weird. But That's right. It's it is really weird. But then again, there was a connection between my client and and uh, Lizzie Borden. And so in, in my work in studying uh, paranormal phenomenon, um, because I'm not just a medium, I'm also, you know, the psychic explorer, and I like to explore this phenomenon, it appears that the, the spirits of, of our ancestors remain connected to us. So even though, obviously, my client never knew or met Lizzie Borden because there's a century between them, there seems to be some connections with the spirit of our ancestors um, and in their descendants now. And in many instances, they will come forward to provide guidance, messages of healing. And, and I think that this is a very important thing for people to understand is that you know, love never dies. Uh, there is an energetic link that flows throughout the generations uh, between people here and those of us uh, that we're related to. The other side, in most cases, really wants to help us, don't they? It does. My experience is that nothing spiritual is controlling. Spirits are not here to frighten us, um, to, to dominate us. They come forth to provide messages of love, healing, and resolution. Um, so, so that is is extremely, extremely comforting and extremely healing. Since you've been doing this, Mark, 
Do you find that it gets even more fascinating as these cases go by? Oh, absolutely. And in in my my um, work traveling overseas and and also in this country, um, there's nothing new about ancestor worship or ancestor veneration. It's part of our, I'd say, it's it's part of our DNA. And um, the late uh, philosopher and mythology expert, Dr. Joseph Campbell, he said that humans need a connection to the divine. And we look to the spirits of our deceased loved ones and even give them divine attributes because it's easier to relate to them than it is to the infinity of, let's call the divine power that you and I would call God. And a lot of people believe, as I do, that God works in mysterious ways, and so that we're all cells in the body of God, and we're all extensions of, of, of that, that energy. So the reason I'm bringing this up is it's easier for us to receive a healing message from a recognizable uh, face, a recognizable personality, than it is sometimes from this overwhelming infinite uh, intelligence base. In other words, uh, it's easier for us to see the finite than to even begin to try to comprehend the infinite. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.